0: Brilliant mate! Yeah, you come over here and we'll start pushing each other instead of you taking the corner. Like, what is Ben Joe? Like Joe did this a couple of times as well. Just like went through the ball started pushing people. He's he's exactly the type of character where you would love him to push the wrong person, not and not get a slap. But the, that person then said to him, "Let's fight afterwards."
1: <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast.
0: Back in the 6th of August, when Jefferson Lerma and Kiefer Moore were wiping the floor of us, did you ever think we'd get to the stage where you're watching Villa 2 up away to Chelsea and kind of expecting them to keep scoring? <laughs> did, did you think they'd be 2 points off 6th place and not only that, full value for it did, did you ever think you'd be supporting a team that has a manager who on the day after the transfer window closes and he's been given a left back and a young player for the future he says, yeah, I can work with what I have <laughs> <laughs> and by God does he work with what he has I mean, he works so well with what he has that I only have one more question. Did you ever think, when the opposition are appealing for a penalty and VAR are checking for a shit handball, that you'd be that happy in all your life to see Tyrone Mings chewing his gum, putting the thumbs up, and telling everybody it's all okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get out of a penalty, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that and the referees doing their job for the first time in a few months, I'd say. It was was incredible. It's absolutely brilliant. And no, I didn't think that back then. Back then, it was hard to think of anything other than that I wanted to kill a particular man from Liverpool. But it was (laughs) such a great match to watch and a, a great performance. We played with loads of fucking energy and grit. We did some great things on the ball. But the best thing about this afternoon was that we can and have played a lot better than that as well. Like, that was probably the most enjoyable thing. Beating Chelsea. Beating Chelsea while not playing as well as we can. Like, Chelsea definitely helped us. I mean, their only tactic was to ask the referee for a foul, it seems. Like, telling <laughs> themselves fucking fairy tales. Oh, that, that tackle was too hard. That, that Villa free was too soft. Our porridge this morning was too cold. And they're... There's no fucking huntsmen coming in to help them either. Plenty of huntsmen running around though. It was a, <laughs> such a petulant performance, and it was just brilliant to see. Amazing to see our lads draw that out of them with their work rate, and then how clinical and how decisive they were in the big moments in front of both goals. Like Chelsea were so easily wound up today that Emmy Martinez didn't even have to get involved. Yeah. Like you know, he didn't have to get involved the shithouse at all. He just let the lesser lights get a bit of practice on. I mean, they. Chelsea players were getting annoyed. They were letting Leon Bailey get into their heads. Like, Leon Bailey's role in life is to annoy Aston Villa fans and Ollie Watkins, not the opposition.
0: How pathetic are those Chelsea lads? Yeah, um, Villa are a good team. Like this is it? We can, we can talk a bit more how they set up and how they play and yeah, the the, the the great stuff that they've been doing and working on under Unai. But it everything just makes sense. It makes sense defensively and it looks so easy. Pass the ball forward, turn around, pass the ball forward, turn around, run on the space, show for the ball, say, give it to me. And they do it over and over and over. And like, yeah, they do it less than this game. They do it with 30% of the ball. But every time they have the ball, they're trying to score a goal. It's it's so good to watch. And maybe, maybe a quick detour was this a really good performance for Andy Madley, just for all those reasons that you had mentioned as well? Just all the, all the petulance, all the patheticness, I'd say, from Chelsea players. It was, it, it was heartening to see a referee just bat all of it away.
1: Yeah, like I, I didn't think he was actually particularly great dealer, but he got the big calls right and he did handle how annoying the Chelsea players must have been to him because they were definitely annoying just to watch from this removed place. I mean, just the amount of crying and whinging and walking up to him was pathetic. Like Ashley, Ashley Young wasn't the biggest arsehole on the pitch today. That's how bad the Chelsea players were.
0: <laughs> Let's get into the goals. The first one, I mean, Douglas Louise is gonna open up. He has been opening up so many teams just by just by holding on to the ball in a tight area and eventually running around them, <laughs> and, then, and then obviously finding Mark Cucarello with an amazing ball over the top and <laughs> it's a brilliant flick on. It gets up above Koulibaly, flicks it on, gets like wants it more. Potted. I've never. Like, did Watkins run knowing this was going to happen? <laughs> because because I have to ask, where else was he running? Otherwise, why was he not going to where the ball was going? But it, the ball goes perfectly into his path. It's incredible how perfect the header is. And yeah, it's a it's a good finish from Molly, who who runs away as if to say, yeah, I know you were all worried about that miss, but come on give me a bit of (laughs) put some respect on my name, that's now five away goals on the trot, and God knows how many goals now at this stage, the only thing I'm annoyed about is you telling me not to captain him in my fantasy football team this week.
1: I'm not sure if I did say that, I'm pretty sure I said nothing actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, It
1: was an absolutely shite ball from Douglas Louise, and... Luckily for him, there's no such thing as a bad ball to Cucurea's head. I mean, absolutely moronic piece of defending. And Graham Potter must have been up all night reading fairy tales as well. If he's convinced himself that James Coulibaly and Cucurea is a back free that he can send out in a Premier League game. And fucking dopey and sleepy combine here to let, to let Watkins in. And... Ollie Watkins has done an absolutely incredible job of sorting out his mind. I mean, like what a, what a centre forward he has become the last number of months. That was absolutely ruthless, and to come not that long after he made an absolute mess of the previous one on one. It's brilliant, and I'm absolutely delighted for him. There's no player that it's easier to be happy for.
0: Yeah, he had a good interview on Soccer AM this morning, and he said about John Terry, John Terry and Stephen Gerrard. We we'll give Stephen Gerrard his due, John Terry when he was at the club had said to him just a great piece of advice he got was about not overwatering the plant, just, just let it do its thing, let it grow and you know, let it breathe. And and Stephen Gerrard said to him, n- not that it really worked when he, when he was in charge of Holly Watkins, <laughs> but he did call him on maybe Ollie Watkins feeling sorry for himself or you know just being frustrated that things weren't going his way. He said, did, did you think every day in his career was going to be good? It was going to be a good day? It's not, yeah, not that how it works.
1: And don't forget he also he also said them, you know, I need more from you, so that obviously helped as well.
0: He <laughs> probably followed her up with Did you think any day working under me was going to be <laughs> The Chillwell Disallowed Goal?
1: What do you think of that? It's definitely a foul and definitely a dive as well from Ashley Young. I mean it's like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two things can be true at once. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but like the, the the dead giveaway that it's a foul is that Ben Chilwell has won a header. Like Ben Chilwell is not winning a fucking header at the back post unless he's fouled someone. So that just made the decision so easy for the referee that he knew it was a foul immediately, even if he also must have known that Ashley Young was bound to be diving with any sort of pressure on his back. Yeah.
0: It was actually a good header from Ben Chilwell as well. Real shame for him that he felt the need to push Ashley Young in front of him. Ashley Young, I know we we usually go into the players a bit later, but did people forget that Ashley Young was in the running to be our Player of the Season at one stage? I know it was a really bad season at one stage as well. <laughs> but I'd seen a lot of talk, you know, over the last few weeks. Would you renew Ashley Young's contract? A lot of people just seemed they forgot about him. I have to admit, even when I saw the friendly lineup that we had, Kanza right back, I was like, oh, this is happening now. You know, Diego Carlos came in the centre back, and then. Matt Cash gets injured, and it's like, oh, God, what a disaster. Is, is it too early for Diego Carpenter? Just put Ashley Young back in. Just put, <laughs> put Assy Young back in, and he'll do his thing, and it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, and he gives you cover in both fullback slots as well. He's obviously a good lad to have around around the club. He's old. He's won a lot. Why, why wouldn't you renew it? Unless his wages are absolutely astronomical. Renew his contract. Don't have to replace him. Focus on other positions where we need a bit more strength and depth, like, yeah, well, I absolutely renew his contract.
0: Yeah. The second goal, oh, my God. I mean, Callum Chambers, what, what about this? We talked about putting Tyrone Mings at the front post, or on the byline for every corner, just put big Callum Chambers there, tell they hold off everybody, and scoop <laughs> the ball out from underneath his body. But there were two questions they ask. Did Jacob Ramsey turn down the shot again? <laughs> yes, he did. Did John McGinn fucking shoot from range? You better <laughs> believe he did. I mean, what what a strike the the curl on that bad boy with, with the instep, just just curling away from the keeper the whole way into the inside of the side net. It was some strike, and it was it was so timely from a man who went away and scored for Scotland. And it's isn't it always great when people are away with their international teams probably says a lot about my self-confidence but when they're away at an international team and they talk about Villa and they, <laughs> and John McGinn scored a goal and they were t- chatting him and you're a legend and you're on course you break the Scottish record and he said yeah but I haven't scored in over 40 games at Aston Villa and I come away with Scotland and I score after 18 minutes just feels like someone's in the air then when he comes back and he's playing well anyway and yeah what a strike that was.
1: I, I was out last night and, and Thursday night as well. And I can't go out two nights in a row without suffering the, the consequences. Yeah. My my hangovers are kicking in during the night out. I'm so pathetic. But <laughs> so you can imagine how I was feeling all morning and all afternoon. Like the last thing I needed was a 530 kickoff <laughs> like, against a big six team just hanging over me all day. And the last thing I would have put money on clearing my hangover was John McGinn having a speculative spank from 25 yards out. But here we are <laughs> it. And that's why Jacob Ramsey doesn't just spank one. Well, why would he spank one when he can just roll a slightly under-hit pass for John McGinn? <laughs> With John McGinn's track record of shooting from outside the box, that was the obvious choice as well. And what a hit. And what an interesting decision to come across his body as well and pull it away from Kepa. It's absolutely delicious. A hangover tonic
0: from Prince Chairman. Prince what a nice way of putting it for the captain of the club. Great victory. We're going to talk about it some more in the award categories. But first, we've got WhatsApp when you see
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify.
0: It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
0: I don't think I can find anybody today. (laughs) I I'll am, go on
1: Conan for old time's sake.
0: I am lost for words. I don't think I can find anybody. Nobody found touch. Emmy Martinez didn't even find anybody's crown of their head. Uh, <laughs> nothing really stupid, not like a couple of what the fucks obviously that we'll come back to, but nothing fine, Worthy. It seemed Seems like a clean slate. It seems like everybody's getting paid. And you know what? After winning four games in five, after not losing in five, maybe it's right that every player finally gets paid this week.
1: <laughs> well, they all definitely earned it. It was just the effort they put in today as well. But I wouldn't surprise me because we know how much of a maniac he is for work and how detailed his preparation is getting those rebound nets and all that and having lists to, uh, put up in his locker. The way Martinez is, is spreading the ball around now, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he's been practicing that non-stop, you know, staying in until the fucking floodlights went out and, <laughs> yeah. and body more. Like, honestly, it's... The way he's pinging them out to the yeah, fullbacks it's completely him. unrecognizable to the way he was playing the ball previously. You, you can't drill a ball to somebody with the crown of their head.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you're Douglas Ruiz... Do you, do you remember the one Douglas Ruiz tried to play to Jacob Ramsey, where... Wasn't drilled, but I've never seen a scooped ball go 10 feet into the air and come back down so quickly. There was a midfielder in front of him, Ramsey was the other side, and Douglas Louise tries to pass it to him, scoops it up over his head. <laughs> and Ramsey wasn't expecting it, so it went to the. like an Allard Chelsea player came in then because Ramsey's feet was. He was trying to make space, he was trying to show himself to take a pass off Douglas Louise, not knowing that Douglas Louise can do whatever the fuck he wants with the ball. Stay there, I'll get it to you, but it's going to. And then he were easy complaints. around you like, what are you, like, what were you expecting? It's going to your feet. Stay there. I'll find you. <laughs> But isn't that incredible that Douglas
1: Louise can now just pick a man out no matter what else is happening on the pitch? And also, our older midfielders are stepping into space to receive the ball. Little did we know that both those things were combined to fuck us over and were the things we've yes. been calling for for the last two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Douglas Louise can now make anything happen, and all our players will all show for the ball in any position. <laughs> and now it's giving the ball away because they both it. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's hard to think of WhatsApp when just John Jones got in touch to say what's the point of Villa having a free kick on the halfway line and passing it backwards to the keeper. Um. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is worth looking at. Look, like it's a long day. We were all going through the emotions of it. When you look back now in hindsight, it's like, ah, is this really that important? Because it turns out now when Villa go back to the keeper. Just like you mentioned, the keeper's getting much better with the ball at his feet, and we generally end up switching the play to the other fullback and coming out that side of it, but maybe not from the halfway line. Maybe maybe we do need to embrace our Tony Pulis every so often.
1: (laughs) But like, yeah, to keep possession, you don't always have to go backwards either. I'm sure there was somebody free, like we said. The players now want the ball. The players are now stepping into space. I'm sure that ball could have been rolled forward to Jacob Ramsey as well. Let's go (laughs)
0: back. Oh, is that Canty, an older player, back from a long-term injury against Villa? <laughs> you know, if, if I'm glad that this has come after the David Brooks one because that really wasn't making me feel like a great person bringing it up then. But, <laughs> but now, in the very next game, the very I can I think Canty's been out for about two and a half years, and he's back, <laughs> back in time for Villa. Like one, and you have to remember, it was one 0 when he was standing there, ready to come on. I was like, oh, of course of course and they're going to target they're going to go down the right hand side where Villa have more space on the left hand side behind their defence and we get the goal John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey conspire to rule Canty's involvement now redundant but Jesus I can't believe it. Like, this is incredible
1: <laughs> it does seem a bit strange particularly when it happens two weeks in a row and he actually annoying Oh, obviously he's in goal County, he was probably their best player after he came on so you can imagine how irritating
0: that was <sighs> Um, yeah I sort, of, sort of had a feeling that we were going to struggle for WhatsApp that point it is the best the the, the the best indictment of the game really that I can't think of many things that I was really crying about during it even though Chelsea had a lot of the ball they had a lot of shots they even had a lot of corners and I didn't feel that bad about it and yeah Villa were just comfortable they controlled that match really well and in a non-controlled type of way, <laughs> but I went into Chat GPT. I don't know if you've been using it much. Um, like the rise of artificial intelligence is is accelerating. Obviously, there's a lot more talk about it, and I've heard people say things like, "This is times but you know, I'm not sure if people are just trying to comfort themselves, but they're saying things like they're talking about menial tasks, and I've I've heard a quote: "No, oh, a computer will never be able to." to do that as smartly as a person could and it's like i'm not sure people understand how ai works like it will well, what, what the hell are we talking about here we what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> I just say, are you so
1: that's such a good performance such a great win that the only whatsapp wins you can think of is completely unrelated to football you're going to start giving out about other people's perspectives on jack gpt
0: what the fuck has happened <laughs> Do you know? Do you know why you stopped there as well? It's because because it was fucking bonkers because you were of a blind alley and not knowing
1: how to get out of it, you had that was your only option. Just stop yourself dead in your tracks.
0: <laughs> no, I did stop because I heard myself saying, "I'm not sure if people know how artificial intelligence works," and I was like, "As if I know how it works." <laughs> <laughs> but, but don't worry, I'm coming out of this alley very quickly in the next ten seconds. Just bear with me. But it, it like, artificial intelligence. Will learn what we teach it to learn, so it's like that's it'll just keep improving on something that you want it, to talk you, you just said you stopped
1: talking because you said, as if I know what I'm talking about when it comes to artificial intelligence. Then you proceeded the next
0: sentence, you proceeded to try to explain what artificial <laughs> intelligence will do. Anyway, I'm just telling people, don't be afraid of it, let it do your menial tasks, and you move on, what? you move on to something else. Waste like, don't, don't be wasting your time anymore, and something that a computer can do. Anyway, I wanted <laughs> to see if ChatGPT... Could help me with some WhatsApp just basically. That that that's the 90-second way of telling you that. But <laughs> <laughs> but to make it easier for them, I told them to to tweet in the style of, of Conan Doherty about Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would I tweet now? If I'm watching Aston Villa, and I have to say the first two words are so on the nose. Jack Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Greenish may have left but Aston Villa's resilience remains with a solid defense and a dynamic attack led by Ollie Watkins (laughs) the villains are a force to be reckoned with this season Dean Smith's men are on a mission (laughs) to climb the table and make their mark on this Premier League It it does sound like something I would tweet but I asked it, you know, because this is WhatsApp just Can you be a bit more critically analytical of, of what we're talking about here? And it comes back with this is actually pretty good. Well, back in the old days. Aston Villa's midfield has been underwhelming so far. Douglas Ruiz and John McGinn have shown flashes of brilliance, but they struggle to control games and create chances consistently. If Villa want to challenge, they need their midfield to step up. <laughs> So now I'm completely down this blind alley i'm going th- I'm going through many wormholes, so I told to put together a, a dream team, but not just any dream team. I said, "Could you do the best eleven of twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty three based on what the villa podcast would pick? <laughs> give me a four two three one give me a four two three one. one." And you know who the holding midfielders are. It's John McGee. And <laughs> <laughs> Attacking midfielders. Jack Grealish. Captain. Emi Buendia. Leon Bailey. Jesus. <laughs> Forward Ollie Watkins. Emiliano Martinez and Nets. Matt Cash. Ezra Conza, Tyro Mings. And Matt Target,
1: <laughs> you're right, Conan. People do not need to be worried about AI taking their <laughs> jobs.
0: Well, this is like this is why I was starting to feel a bit uncomfortable then about my whole belief system on AI. And I said, wrote back to him, do the Villa podcast really like Matt Target? <laughs> and- got back saying, I can't speak for the Villa podcast's personal opinions or preferences. However, based on their analysis of Aston Villa's games and performances from 2020 to 2023, they have consistently praised Matt Target. (laughs) (laughs) In several Villa podcast episodes, Target has been singled out for his solid performances, particularly in defense and his contribution in attack. Therefore, it is safe to say that the Villa podcast has a positive view of Matt Target safe to say
1: my god and i was actually just thinking there a few minutes ago that you were obviously tweeting a lot more back whenever villa were shit and that's why they were talking about dean smith that's why they were talking about douglas louise and john mcginn being ineffective so you obviously like as much claimed about the villa podcast you obviously do tweet a lot more whenever villa or a downward spiral
0: yeah that's probably fair that's probably fair (laughs) That's probably why then I kicked out at it and asked, which player does Liam hate most? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it didn't give me an answer. said it doesn't have access to that information or the emotions of the host of the Villa podcast. It said said the Villa podcast is a well-respected podcast that provides insightful analysis and commentary on Aston Villa's games and performances, and the hosts maintain a professional and impartial approach to their analysis.
1: Like I said, you can absolutely roll out the idea that AI will be taking people's jobs instead to the level of ability it's got.
0: I did write back, are you sure? And then just left it there. Like, come on, I'm not going to teach this guy anything today.
1: (laughs) You just wrote back, are you sure? And then even the chat GPD was so bored they didn't respond.
0: (laughs) Anyway, we'll come back and talk about the game again. (laughs) See you there.
1: Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roeder, Kenny Dalglish, Sam Allardyce and Steve Bruce. What <laughs> a fucking parade of cavemen. That is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer.
0: Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up and then progressed their careers. <laughs> Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. <laughs> Brendan Rogers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there.
1: Pep Guardiola, once again, reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. (laughs) That is absolutely a step backwards.
0: Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. I I genuinely believe that. I'm not even trying to exaggerate is not hyperbole three four games of a bad run united around the title race like that and that will happen to them that will definitely happen
1: what gets sean dyche out of bed in the morning like how does he do it imagine how exciting a job that would be imagine coming home and saying to your partner i got a new job i'm a football manager and then going out and doing that with it what a waste of time Steve Bruce is a greying pair of slazzing your socks in the basket by the checkout
0: that nobody wants. I think what sums up Chelsea's performance most is that the Emmy Martinez is, is Ronaldo not hitting it. Shit, how's Award is back? <laughs> Chelsea have let it come back and there's only one place to start. It's obviously Emi Martinez. It's always Emi Martinez. Kicking that ball off Havertz. I mean, come... <laughs> talk about uh, like, talk about having somebody on a string. Like, just, just come into my lair here. You keep coming. Keep coming up here and see what happens. Bang. Kick the ball off you. And remember, I-, I think I just looked at it so fondly from the offset this time. Because remember it happened against Newcastle last year? Did Wilson... Almost score, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I don't like that." And you were like, "It just knows the rules that you can't do that for. You can't take the ball off a goalkeeper when he's kicking it." Yeah, yeah. And I was looking to slag I Martin Martinez, but from like I've learned, I've le- very much like an AI model. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at this thinking that's brilliant he was wasting enough time as it was and then he just deliberately kicked it off him knowing he would get a free kick
1: I can't believe I actually at the start of the podcast there suggested for a moment that Emmy Martinez didn't have to get involved in the shit or, yeah, of course he got involved in the shit I'm sorry. <laughs> and the best thing about that like he always does as well he knows he can then waste the time afterwards as well complaining about it You'll always get an extra 30 seconds of time wasted in there. It's amazing. And Kai Havertz, I mean, Christ almighty, when are Chelsea going? How is he, Chelsea, centre-forward? I know we said this after he spent 600 million quid. How has Kai Havertz ended up as Chelsea centre-forward? Like, have you ever seen anybody less threatening on a football pitch? Even the way he just mopes around. It's incredible. And this guy was so well thought of. Like, You know, he was expected to be this brilliant attacking midfielder in the in the style of someone like you know Valverde or something like that, just power from the middle. But Christ, this guy couldn't have less power. He couldn't be less dynamic on the pitch. It's unbelievable. He's a joke.
0: <laughs> it's weird as well because it's not like he plays the the Firmino role, like w- which he could do now with Joe Felix, who does look threatening. Just just to the left of him, going for it. Get out of his way. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to compliment him in any way. He's, he's actually trying to play as a spearhead. Do like you know as, as a round spearhead? Basically, he's a round head leading the Chelsea attack. <laughs> yeah, and like, but he—it's he, even just the fact that he just
1: doesn't look but And maybe that's just his language style as well. And I'm overemphasizing it because he's so annoying whenever he's on the pitch. <laughs> but he just—he doesn't look remotely threatening. And it's incredible that what's this now? Two managers in a row have tried to put him put him as a centre forward and there must be better options at the club there must be different ways to try to play than to just have him as your spearhead it's bonkers Thomas Tuchel and Graham Potter they're not fools either what is going on?
0: <laughs> well like their hands are tied as well they're not being backed in the transfer <laughs> The only other nomination I have there are probably a couple more but the, the, the two standout ones were that I thought that was very clever from Emmy Martin is, Young and Chillwell, brilliant mate. Yeah, you come over here and we'll start pushing each other instead of you taking the corner. What is Ben Chillwell? Chillwell did this a couple of times as well. Just like Uh, went through the ball started pushing people. He's he's exactly the type of character where you would love him to push the wrong person, not and not get a slap. But that that person then said him, "Let's fight afterwards." (laughs) <laughs> and see how his face changes. it's Like no, no, no. We'll, we'll just meet outside and we'll fight that. Like, no, we just we're just playing football. <laughs> but for somebody who doesn't want to get involved in that stuff, he's pushing
1: a lot of people. Yeah, like it was silly as well because Ashley Young had, you know, given up on the time waste, and he had already started walking. He was walking back pretty yeah. slowly, but he had he had stopped doing it, and then he just gave, like like Emmy Martinez taking the time then after he he got his shot blocked or his clearance blocked then. Ashley Young now he has another 30 seconds of time wasting just presented to him just given to him on a fucking plate by that moron and Ashley Young was far enough back the whole time as well for Chilwell just to take the corner like Ashley Young wasn't really in his way he could have just taken the corner
0: idiot I think Emmy Martinez has to win though because the Young shithousery was all down to Chilwell maybe Chilwell gets a (laughs) an honorary win for this one but I think it has to go to Martinez only right that it would go to (laughs) Martinez The Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Let's talk about your boy Jacob Ramsey against my boy Ollie Watkins. What's hmm. the problem with each other? <laughs> <laughs> Do they hate each other? Because I've got three examples here. They're not in chronological order, as a, like you know, in contrast to all the other nominations. But we have to talk about all of them as one. Starts off with the Ollie Watkins shot. They want to pose. Oh, some great football. I mean, eh, Emmy Wendy and McGinn again. How often we've seen these two link up? Lovely one two. Ah, McGinn whips it into Ali Watkins Chelsea defense. I don't know what's happened there. And uh, it, if Watkins passes it, it's a goal. It's no doubt about it. Ramsey's very free. I think because it's your striker. It's not such form. I don't know. Does he have to pass it? Does, does is he the one person on the pitch who doesn't have to pass it? Even though it's a one hundred percent goal if he does just roll to the left, and I'll just mention the other two as well, that the Ramsey to Watkins, the first Ramsey to Watkins, the one that Ramsey coming down the left, and he ends up apologizing, but if you look at the replay, Watkins is offside the whole oh. time. If he, if I, I wanted Ramsey to you know, don't worry. If you played that pass, it was a free kick to Chelsea. Don't like, stop apologizing. get on with the game. He's in the wrong here. But then the Ramsey break away when we go on the counter attack, and he, oh, he just needs to do it. He just needs to play it. The Watkins and he overruns it, and Koulibaly takes it off him. The
1: first one, Nick, it's it's absolutely brilliant bit Of play from McGinn and Buendia, and yeah, Kukure just gets fucking trapped in the gravitational pull of John McGinn's arse. And <laughs> Kulabali and James are lost in space. Like, how have they given Ollie Watkins that much freedom? It's absolutely beyond <laughs> me, it's incredible. And that Ollie Watkins' first touch is also incredible, and then the second touch is dreadful. And the finish is one of the worst things I've ever seen. I, I saw a lad fall asleep with his head in his hand last night, and his his head slipped, and he hit his face off the table and busted his nose. But somehow that wasn't the most embarrassing thing I saw this weekend. That pull from Watkins was absolutely <laughs> diabolical. And when you're sent to forwards one on one, I think he has to shoot. I don't think I think the finish is just as easy as the pass to walk to to Ramsey. I think he just has to score. <laughs> Uh, the other one where Ramsey doesn't play to Ollie Watkins, like Jacob Ramsey is too good to not play that pass. I mean I think I think Koulibaly does well, but Ramsey also doesn't do well himself. It's it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And yeah, the like maybe Ramsey's like, the only thing I can think of for the one where Ramsey Apologizes to Watkins for Watkins being three yards offside. Maybe Ramsey <laughs> thinks I'm faster than Watkins. I could have knocked that out of my feet and put the ball ahead of this muppet who's refusing to step back a little
0: bit. <laughs>
1: ah.
0: No, yeah. Maybe they don't hate each other, but I just thought it was interesting. Your boy, and my boy, just not passing the ball to each other. There's a lot. There's a lot at stake here now. When he's here are listening back to the Villa. Well. <laughs> John McGinn off the crossbar. I mean, what a, like what a sign of things to come. And and. This this was when it was the first half, and it another moment. I have these moments every game now under Unai Emery; it's like, they're so good. Just pass the ball up the pitch. They just pass the five yard passes, and everybody just keeps moving up the pitch. And and it was it's always Buendia There's and Ramsey this time, and then Ramsey pulls it back and again. It's a nice shot. Whips it off the crossbar.
1: Yeah, Ramsey picks up the ball and decides to run it for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he actually loses the ball about three times during it, but he's so good at football, he still keeps possession. And then it's a it's a good ball into Buendia, and it's an awkward enough pass from Buendia to McGinn, but sure, that just warmed him up for JJ's awkward pass later on. That's <laughs> an unbelievable effort to get that power and direction from that body position. It's absolutely brilliant.
0: There were two Chelsea chances in that first half. Like, let's see. You look at it. Yeah, Aston Villa probably had the better of the chances. So it definitely did. But James had a nice cross into Fernandez, a bad header. And Dan Mudrick. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> what does <is> he do? <laughs> is
1: yeah, I mean, like, if this lad, if this lad's an eighty-eight million pound player, Jesus Christ. I mean, even even allowing for the amortisation in his fee over the the thirty-eight years of his contract. I, I don't think I'd pay 88 quid for a player whose one involvement in a game where his team had two-thirds of the possession was to get through one-on-one, take the shot too early, and take the shot with
0: his fucking ankle. What <laughs> in the name of God was that? Did Jacob Ramsey deserve a penalty?
1: No, Jacob uh. Ramsey...
0: I mean, look, if I was an AI version of Conan, I would say that, you know, people mentioned that Ramsey was naive to tackle Jack Grealish. <laughs>
1: pretty similar. Uh, no, Jacob Ramsey has to do something there. Like he, he, he's not fouled. He, he never gets the ball into a decent position. That's his fault. He, his first touch isn't good. It just kind of drops at his feet and then he's running over the top of the ball. And he was always going to fall over from that from that position. Actually, like he, he looks around thinking yeah, I might get a penalty for this but he's not looking around saying give me a fucking penalty for this <laughs> if Jacob Ramsey didn't think it was a penalty it's
0: definitely not a penalty Kante had a bad pull wide an Ollie Watkins-esque pull <laughs> wide um, <laughs> Kovacic had three dreadful efforts I mean two balloons over the bar of both feet he tried, tried two different feet and then he tried a Ah, oh, he tried to recreate the, the one volley that he, he cut that time. <laughs> he's tr- he's trying to scissor into it. He was dropping to his left foot, and he tried to scissor into it with his right. And he jumped into the air, lifted his left leg first, and tried to hack at it with his right with the outside of his right boot. And in fairness, he ended up hitting it t- towards the right uh, sideline. So it was actually impressive that he managed to get it over in that direction. But yeah, I mean, he looks like an Eastern European cousin of John McGinn, but he doesn't hit the ball as well as him. <laughs>
1: I don't be getting too cocky, but John McGinn's ability to hit the ball on—yeah, <laughs> it's right about forty up. games. It is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then the only other nomination, but this is a this is an under the radar Rossensall Award nomination. It's Leon Bailey, he gets inside. Like Enzo Fernandes Fernandez has obviously never seen Leon Bailey play before. He comes steaming <laughs> back. Bailey says, "Cheers, mate. Come on to my left foot now, because of that." And he's got so much time. He's got so much room. It's the rooms in front of him. There's room further inside if he wants to keep going on to his left. Why is he hitting the ball like that? He, he's hitting it so early. He's hitting it from behind himself, he's trying to pull it out from behind. No, he's got so much space. I actually, in fairness, he caught it well from from the way he to hit the ball. Oh, where the ball he, up he, he the caught bottom. it too well that he caught I was going to say, in fairness, it went flying wide rather than just tamely wide, but. Jesus, he could have done way better there. Ah, yeah, you've, you've called
1: it spot on. Like too early and too fucking wild, too erratic. It was it was madness. He had so much space to move into, and he had so much space to hit the ball as well. There was no Chelsea defender in front of him. He could have just placed that ball. It's not like he had to whip it around anybody. And the only thing you would say about Enzo Fernandez is maybe he actually just knows how dangerous Leon Bailey is on his right foot, so he was just really worried
0: about that. (laughs) Yeah, right enough. Every time he goes on to his left, he do not score, so I'll just watch his right. (laughs) And he was proven right. I think uh, Ollie Watkins is obviously the winner here, right?
1: Oh, Jesus, definitely. It was so stark as well, and it was such a bad connection.
0: Yeah. In fairness to Ollie Watkins, I know he's piling through the the awards now that Danny Ings has gone. But he's doing it while scoring every week as well. So that that is quite fun. I think the frustration with Ings is that he was winning this award all the time and not always scoring.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is it? Seven goals in nine games. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think mean, you talked about this the five the five goals that he got in, in a row. It's like, you know, it's he's not stat padding, he's he's scoring in every game, and yeah. that's so much more
0: important. It's brilliant. Yeah. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck award. Only one place to start. <laughs> Only one place to start. Bubakar Kamara just picked <sighs> up an injury. <laughs> but I, I you know. I initially thought, Emmy, what are you doing? He's just picked up an injury, but does he know that? And if he has, like, what? If Kamara's not going to show for the ball, then just don't show for us. Don't, like, don't. Half hearted, I would prefer him to do a Glenn Whelan on that and stand behind his man. <laughs> then, then Martinus thinks he's playing with Kamara. It's like, great, Kamara's back in the team, I'll play it to him. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not Kamara, it's Kamara who's done something to his leg trying to half down somebody. Yeah, but this is the like, stand behind his
1: man. This is the annoying thing. He, he almost was. I mean, like, you're playing the ball into your injured center midfielder when he doesn't have another pass himself, anyway, to play. And when Enzo Fernandez has already given away his secret by pressing before the pass was fucking played. Like that's not that's not playing out from the back. Like, that's playing with yourself with a fucking curtains open. Like you, you're gonna get caught and it's gonna be fucking embarrassing. <laughs>
0: Um, Tyrone Mings was that one trying trying to start a counter attack? I mean, Tyrone Mings doesn't always need to be launching our counter attack for us, our <laughs> big center half. And then Ezra Kanza, I mean, what was this? Like, well, what the hell was that? Ah, it was absolute absolute madness. The, the
1: Mings one, like it's it's not a good ball back to him from Ramsey. It's a really strange pass for JJ to play actually for someone like Jacob Ramsey to just shuffle that back to our to our fo- center half. But if you're the centre-half and you find yourself on the wing, on the halfway line, your pass into the middle of the pitch, better be clean and accurate. Yeah. And by accurate, I don't mean to fucking Kovacic. And Konza, like, Jesus Christ, he must have been up all night watching YouTube compilations of Bertrand Russell defend Bert, Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Traore defending. <laughs> Bertrand, Bertrand Russell was influenced by Euclid and Spinoza. Bertrand Traore was influenced by fucking Ali Sissoko and Julian Lescott. <laughs> and, now, and now it seems he's taken on a new pupil in Kanza, like, I, I can't see this being as successful as the uh, or as influential as Socrates Plato and Aristotle philosophical lineage canon but we'll have to keep our eyes on it
0: <laughs> Bertrand Russell Terrori. <Tarare. laughs> <laughs> two think, great thinkers <laughs> I think it's it's obviously clear who wins this one, but there's only one more nomination. It was a John McGinn. I mean it's such a lovely turn from John McGinn that the ball comes straight out from from Martinez again and he gets turned on the ball and he does a little dummy pass as well and, and tells Cucurella to get out of his sight, basically and you're like oh that was lovely now what are you going to do he's going to pass it straight inside to Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> no not that pass like not that like we, oh this is nightmares of that pass but like at least now when we play that pass We have a midfield that's still there blocking players coming through. (laughs) Remember, we used to play that pass with ridiculous regularity. And, you know, it was used like John McGamers used to hold the midfielder. And he played that pass. And somebody would cut her out in midfield. And it's a goal because he runs straight through the heart. Yeah, and like this is the thing: once your
1: reputation spreads, like Bertram Russell Frawley's has, like, you, you, you get a lot of copycats, or even people, a lot of people trying to challenge your ideas. And again has just come in and said, "I disagree with your looped ball into the opposition midfield. I think the clearest and purest route to seed and possession is to play along the ground." <laughs> Fucking unbelievable! Can't I, I honestly can't believe it's back. Like in a game like that as well, a game we were so good in, a game that was so pleasing, so. Joyful to win. Our biggest fucking nightmare from two years ago came back with an absolute abundance.
0: <laughs> All right, let's go to the Tim Sherwood. We played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. I think bringing on Callum Chambers for Kamara was a really good substitution because we'd seen with Kamara injured, we were playing John McGinn there. We were making the, the two changes that we talk about, then Leon Bailey has to come in. Uh, he might have thought about doing that, but he didn't. He he kept the shape. He just made a like for like. Probably doing Kamara the service, but he <laughs> just made a straight swap between two defensive midfielders, and he brought on Callum Chambers into that spot instead. And yeah, just, just, just sort of kept the shape, kept the play. And I thought actually Callum Chambers did really well. One of his best games for Villa as well.
1: Yeah, Callum Chambers was obviously dropping a lot deeper in as well to give a bit of extra cover for for Ashley Young. As I was thinking, uh, was he right back at some stage? Then? Yeah, yeah, no, he was. He was he, he was almost like a three at the back with Ashley Young as a wing back a lot of the time out of possession. Anyway, I, I think there might be a bit of revisionism going on here as well because we got away with it. I, I I thought the I thought the benefit of bringing on Callum Chambers would be that it would stop Chelsea getting in so easily down the left. But I don't think this really did anything to stem the flow of Chelsea coming down the left. Like that was definitely their biggest outlet during the game. But we did defend it successfully during the second half. So, so maybe, maybe it did work. Maybe it did give us that tightness that we did need.
0: I know you're not advocating for having Leon Bailey coming on for Bobo Karamara. <laughs> but
1: Leon Bailey was always going to come on anyway. And yeah, Leon Bailey coming on for Bobo Kerkamara would have been absolutely bonkers. Definitely in that game, I thought he could have brought. If we want to drift into the glen wheel he probably could have brought him on for emmy buendia a lot earlier because emmy buendia wasn't wasn't in that game at all i mean he he could be nominated for the ashley westwoods oh he was playing award definitely i thought he was definitely one of his quieter games and because chelsea were so dominant it was probably a bit strange that he didn't have someone with leon bailey's purported running power anyway <laughs> to get in behind him
0: yeah yeah, it probably says a lot about Bundy as well that once again and this definitely was a quieter game and once again he's still prevalent in the chances that we created mm. in the Ross all over but he did drift out of it as well but like geez kamara obviously he was just back from injury and he picks up an injury four minutes into the game but he he would just he can't, i don't I don't remember him doing anything after that for after not picking up the ball off emmy martinez from the pass out as well it was a very very quiet game for him. Like, of course it was, but uh, I think it sort of shows where McGinn and Douglas Luiz are currently at as well, that it's fine. like you, you just take a back seat there, we'll run this game. Yeah, I mean, car
1: Kamara's only two involvements were during the, the winner of the Peter Inkelman What The Fuck Award, and also what probably could have been nominated for that award as well was him injuring himself, stopping a <laughs> counter-attack. And getting yellow card up within four minutes as our defensive midfielder and initially i thought ah fuck he had to do that then i look back at it jacob ramsey is alongside him as well <laughs> and jacob ramsey is no fucking slouch he's gonna cover that space and not only that it was only yow or it was only yeah i think it was only yow felix that was ahead of him it was, it was a two on four situation like aston villa had plenty of cover there maybe it's better just to cut it or nip it in the bud especially that early in the game but a bit fucking needless especially if you're going to fucking injure yourself again Bobakar
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah we better end this before Kai Havers gets involved <laughs> just just think about what you're doing come on <laughs> uh, that, that's another general nomination really well obviously Unai Emery was nominated for manager of the month again and overlooked again uh, But Tyro Mings was nominated for player of the month I mean that's just sort of didn't sneak in there for any of us and for any Villa fan We've been witnessing what Tyrone Mings has been doing all season, and for a large part of last season as well. But it's like what what he's done with the entire defence has been amazing to see the transformation there is brilliant. But like I think Mings's rise can't go unnoticed as well. It, it was apt that as England were away on international break and some of it don't worry, we're not going to go back into the discussion about Gareth southgate thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not June yet, but it was just timely that while all these players were away and you're wondering, how did he make it, how did he make it? And then Mings is suddenly nominated for Player of the Month and it was like, yeah, that was a culmination of another good season so far. Anyway, keep it up though, that's what I'm trying to say, Tyrone. Keep it
1: uh, up. <laughs> There's one player that needs to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's probably actually, I'd say we probably have it probably has gone unnoticed on this podcast as well because have we praised him that much in the last month or has he just gotten to a level of being so brilliant that we're expecting it now every yeah. week? Because we were, de- we were definitely praising him about two months ago a lot than regularly because he would seemed to have turned the corner and we just noticed, Jesus, we need to talk about how good this man is playing and how consistently he's playing. And now he's just continuing to play like that. It's almost not noticeable. Yeah.
0: The vimin meter going up. Going up, Alex Moreno, eighty-eight minutes for Alex Moreno. Thought, <laughs> thought he was really good. Thought he was good defensively, especially in the first half. Thought he, he was solid going forward as well. Like, yeah, good performance, and it says everything about the performance that he almost played the full game as well. And being asked what he's being asked to do, it's no joke that he that he did get eighty-eight minutes out of himself.
1: Absolutely, it was comfortably Alex Moreno's best performance for Aston Villa. It was complete. Uh, defensively, he was brilliant in the early stages whenever Chelsea did have a bit of, or were putting a lot of pressure on us. He was solid, a lot of good last-minute sliding tackles as well, which is necessitated by the way he plays because he's so far up the field, he has to do a lot of last-ditch tackling because by the time he gets back there, it's pretty last-ditch. And going forward, going forward he probably wasn't as effective as he has been recently, but we only had the ball 30% of the game this time, and that probably partly explains it. But he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, easily his best performance, I think.
0: There's something that I think he does, and I need a bigger sample size. But he, I think he plays the man sometimes. He looks at who has the ball, and then he just like, Yeah, I can put my foot in here. <laughs> <laughs> a really good trade. If you think about Tyrone Mings, had to make a cover over on the right hand side where we were supposed to be playing Callum Chambers and Ashley Young. Don't know where they were, but Mings was over on the right hand side, and it was Enzo Fernandez picked the ball up. And then Mings is back, backing off like it was Yao Felix. He was like, Just. Just step into him. It's like, like, he's not going to burn you. If he does get around you, you will catch him up again. But uh, I think I think Alex Moreno, in that situation, would just do a Matt cash tackle on <laughs> it. He does. He is fond of that. That one in the box in the first half, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 but it was a burning tackle. It was tough. It was, and he won a goal kick from it, actually. And it just, I feel like that was the difference as well. And just, again, speaking very highly of him, because I feel like the Villa players were just wanted it way more. Like they you always hear these stories of, of players when they're talking about older games and it's I know we're not going to be talking about this game in years to come but they they, they say I I just knew I, I knew from I knew from them, knew from the look in their eye I knew from the way they were in the first tackle. Something like that as well sets the tone but it, it was so clear to me that Chelsea were lethargic and he, like, these boys were just mad for it. I feel like the Villa players just wanted wanted the ball way more than all these Chelsea players the one where Reese James is complaining to Ramsey and he's trying to sort of appeal to him come on stop being a dick (laughs) and <laughs> I'm not just not in there, arms out, just what? What? Like, you know, we're not pals anymore, friend. We're here to win. We're here to take the points off you. I just feel like I was lying through the team, and that, that Merino tackle made me think of it there. Uh, there's there's no
1: substitute for aggression and being up for it, like, it's, especially at this level when like, Chelsea obviously have a bigger, deeper squad of probably slightly higher quality players. But if if, you, if you're more up for a game, you'll beat them. You just will beat them every time, especially if you've got the backing of a manager like Unai Emery as well. He was a team well set up. But that's, that's what I started off by saying. That was the most remarkable thing about this game. It was the grit. It was the passion. It was the last-ditch tackles, the mad-frit blocks. Like everybody just swarming into the box whenever Chelsea had a chance. The amount of times like the Fuller Chel- had completely choked up their own box of players back there was incredible. And it wasn't just people standing around like spare dildos, it was people diving in front of the ball.
0: Yeah. Going up, Emmy Martin, as we talked about him, the passing is probably the particular thing that's going up as well. A couple of decent saves. Going up, John McGinn, obviously, yet again. It's ridiculous. Going up, Jacob Ramsey. uh, like Probably his strongest performance? I think the commentator put it, he said it was a mature performance, but Ramsey looked like the sort of boy today every time he was on the ball I was like oh thank god you know he was just doing the right thing he was running out of it he was taking Chelsea players space he, it felt like everything he was doing was strong it was it was right he looked like a grown-up playing underage football he yeah I, I just thought it was a good mature performance from Jacob Ramsey
1: yeah Emmy Martinez now as well got the most clean sheets in the first 100 appearances uh, by Oh by yeah,
0: that one as well. good, good. Yeah, good for shouting that out.
1: And the the save—he made a brilliant save from uh, Felix yeah Felix in the first half as well. Where he just dropped down. It was like it was a good, really good snapshot. He didn't get the ball out of his feet quickly enough, and then he just turned on it and spanked it at the bottom corner. And Martinis did brilliantly to drop down. And the one from one from the. We didn't even mention it because the, what the fucking moment was so big, but the save that Martinez pulls out after that, to yeah. block Madrid down and just make himself so fucking big, which isn't difficult for <laughs> Emmy Martinez to do. It was a, two, two really, really strong saves. And Jacob Ramsey, but this is why this is why Jacob Ramsey is a player to get excited about coming. It's because he's such a beautiful, intelligent footballer. He's got, he's got everything. He's got the intelligence. He's got the technique, and he's got the physical side. That's why Jacob Ramsey is going to be and already is an absolutely elite footballer.
0: Yeah, going up, and we already questioned whether he could go up any further. But it has to go up further because now I am thinking of the highest possible compliment I could pay him, Douglas Ruiz, and All I've written down beside him is Roy Keane. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I, think, I think, again, most people know what type of player Roy Keane is. I think P- Posterity has forgotten what he was really good at on the ball. His athleticism, how fast. Roy Keane was such a fast runner with the ball. He'd run into space in so many tight areas when players in defence had the ball. He would just be like, put it in front of me there, and I'll take it off you. Douglas Owee oh, is doing this over and over and right away, way he's, Bringing the ball from defense into attack is reminding me of Roy Keane. It's, I, 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 like I say, I can't say anything higher about anybody, but this is the level of performance that he's at. He's been unbelievable, yeah, absolutely, incredibly consistent, and absolutely exactly
1: what we needed in the team as well. It's just so frustrating that it's taken him this long to get there. But that's the the thing about Douglas. So easy forget how young he is for a center midfielder as well. I mean, he's a young man and he's playing remarkably. Intelligently, now but it's it's the demand and the ball that is the big thing. It's the stepping into space, he's playing so cleverly. It, like, he, he looks like he's too good for it sometimes. Like he's he just give me the ball here. I know exactly what I want to do. But it, the support and cast in around them as well. When you've got players with the running power of the other three lads, and you mentioned McGinn there, and I did. McGinn was absolutely incredible. He was the best player on the pitch today. Played in two positions as well. And having McGinn, having Ramsey, and having Kamara either side of or all around. Ah, uh, Douglas Louise has just freed up Douglas Louise in his own head. I think he's making such good decisions. He's absolutely brilliant. He comes, it goes, just goes into players. He's give me the ball. I'll get you out of here. This yeah. is fine. We can keep possession. Just pass me the fucking ball. And he gets annoyed as well. I love to see it. He gets annoyed whenever somebody doesn't play the right pass, doesn't play the pass forward, doesn't play it around the corner into him. That's what you want. You want your midfielder to demand the ball, and you want them to demand that other players play the more aggressive pass to get you back on the front foot.
0: Yeah, easy. That, that's what he's That's what he's thinking about the game. Right? just Everything seems easy for him. He, he'll take the ball anywhere. He's, he's, he's in a flow state, but it's not just for a period of a match. It's a period of his career. Like he's just going out onto the pitch and he sees everything. He sees it all. Everything makes sense <laughs> to him. It's just give me the ball to the pennies drop to give me it but even even his like even douglas louise's
1: tracking back tackles are working out now he's not just clipping people in the, on their heels at the edge of the box it's absolutely brilliant
0: yeah going down commentators feeling the need to tell us every single VAR check has been completed like I, I don't need to know that they've checked a clean tackle <laughs> All that really stands out is that Callum Chambers made a great tackle in the box and, and he felt the need to they say uh, and the check has been completed quickly of course what, what, what are they even checking for I'm just making me think worse about Var checking it in the first place. Why would the check a tackle? Just move on. It's all move on for lives. Just pick and choose when you're telling me about the var checks.
1: But like, it seems that these commentators needed to have something to talk about, because they weren't fucking <laughs> remotely interested in that game. It seems like what a privileged position you're. And you get the best seats in the house, and you get paid to talk about football. It's fucking incredible on national TV. Two million people watching. <laughs> Make it more interesting for me. What do you do? Why do you sound bored? It's a fucking good game yeah. as well. Talk
0: about it, I yeah, and I didn't want to bang this drum again. But I was wondering, are they are they this flat because Villa are winning? Is it like is it not not that they hate Villa, but is is the day just a little bit ruined for them because uh. <laughs> it, it's just not as easy for them to talk about Chelsea? You know, getting back in the groove and Graham Potter finding his groove, and I don't know. And does that happen? Is did he come in there thinking, right? Like, this is going to be class if Chelsea win, we're going to talk about this, this, this and this? Yeah. And, and then the, the, the underdogs win. It's like, oh, what? But the, the,
1: that's the thing. Like, yeah, I think you're right. They didn't get to talk about media darling, Graham Potter, you know, turning this Chelsea ship around with a 600 million of transfers. Like, yeah. you know, they didn't get to talk about the things they wanted to talk about. They like to talk about the big clubs. They think it's a bigger story whenever a big club wins for some reason or a, the bigger clubs win. But the fucking most remarkable thing about this is they did seem a bit surprised. They were talking about it as if, as if you know, this Chelsea or Chelsea are losing to Aston Villa. What's going on here? Villa are ahead of them in the league. Was not remotely interesting? They were level on points going into the game, but either one of them could have won. It was literally a fifty-fifty game. What the fuck are you surprised about?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I do get the the vibe as well that they. It's just a feeling that I get, but it's palpable that they feel like the fans at home won't be as interested when Chelsea aren't winning. It's such a strange, it's a strange thing that they're giving off that I can get that from them too. Where it's like ah, uh, and and I I guess that they have done a bit of work on what they will talk about afterwards, and if Phil have come along, John McGinn scored a screamer, and you're like if you're watching it through this lens of oh, this team is thirty percent of the ball and they're winning, like what am I supposed to talk about here? I, I and and you're just ripping up your little Graham Potter thing that you were going to talk uh-huh. about? Just like, well, well, that's that ruined. Like, yeah. you know?
1: Lee Henry and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank have to throw on a black suit to talk about the morning of Graham Potter's inevitable sacking. Like, sorry folks, for some on breaking news. A top six side hasn't won.
0: <laughs> All right, questions we can't answer, but probably will. I'm gonna start with a quote here. Listen. The game is exactly the same as it was way back in the day. <laughs> I jump in here at this point and just say Tim Sherwood is younger than Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> Carry on with the quote. The terminology has changed. We're being baffled by science. <laughs> you never want that quote, D. We're being baffled by science. Talking about half spaces, low blocks, it's all nonsense. It's all about counter-attacking, pressing, all this rubbish of press from the front. I mean, we've got we've got a tactical award named after Tim Sherwood here. It's it's in threat. I, ironically, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The terminology coming in from these modern managers, it's just incredible at the moment. <laughs> and you know what the worst thing is? This is Tim Sherwood on Talksport. He keeps looking up at a screen. I think I think he might have Needed this scripted for him. Like he needed this utter garbage written out for him that he could keep referring to his notes to see what exactly, what exactly this monologue was. Like I need to articulate this properly. And all he's saying, <laughs> all he's saying, is counter and pressing. It's all rubbish. Counter-attacking pressing. And the only point that he seemed to make in this weird rant, like where, where does this come from? What, what is the insecurity that people feel when they go through this? But this. This weird one, the only thing he said was, back in the day as well, Ian Rush used to push from the front. Like, is is he, is he just annoyed that it's now changed the press from the front and now it's not pushed from the front? And also, <laughs> why does he keep saying back in the day? He's a 54-year-old man. He was a manager eight years ago. He was still managing Aston Villa in the Premier League, this time eight years ago. He was—he was actually guiding him to safety in the Premier League. He was on the way to taking him to Wembley. Don't get me started. Why has he, he? come this far so so quickly? I I was wondering why you sent me on these clips,
1: and I obviously should have realised what it was. Initially, I just thought it was your your weird fetishisation of uh, of Tim Sherwood, which you almost just revealed there again. The excitement in your voice when you talked about <laughs> him keeping Aston Villa up—it's absolutely utterly bizarre. It's 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 crazy, and I honestly think you should see professional health but like, baffling baffling you of science science i mean he was largely talking about words and language like words he didn't understand and it appears we can add science to the list of words that tim sherwood doesn't understand as well and who is baffled apart from him like, like nothing he mentioned was remotely confusing if you watch football again like, and of course things have changed and adapted for currently employed managers because if you if you don't try to innovate, it's very fucking easy for the opposition to work out what you're doing. Like much, much like it was very easy to figure out what tactics Tim was doing, no matter no matter how many number tens he played. But yes, the fundamentals haven't changed, Tim. We get you like you know like everyone has to work their socks off, exploit space, and attack quickly when you win the ball back. But all of those things have changed. The approaches to how those things are executed have evolved, obviously, or you just not be able to execute them anymore. It evolves so that it can continue to happen. But yes, the fundamentals are there. Tim, grand football hasn't changed. The world isn't against you. It's fucking grand. And there's another one. Then he's talking about. All you have to do is get, get on the training pitch, get the best out of your players, and eventually you'll win. Like he's right. Aston Villa would have eventually started winning under Tim Sherwood if he gave him long enough, because they would have been playing in the fucking Championship against worse opposition. I know we ended up there anyway but that's because we replaced him with a man whose principles were get on the training pitch, go like this and eventually you'll get relegated
0: you could probably track the lifetime of supporting Aston Villa in how many times I've said to you, would you just get Tim back in (laughs) because it definitely happened in the championship I said he would be a perfect manager, I remember that saying he he would definitely get Villa promoted and it, it's happened again in, in the Premier League. I think it might have been under Dean Smith where I thought, these the, these players are good enough. They just need the feel-good factor. <laughs> the feel-good factor. Who am I this like? Tim Sherwood?
1: Yeah, well, that's true as well. And this is definitely going to change the AI-generated uh, answers about the Aston Villa podcast now. <laughs> You've revealed that you wanted Tim Sherwood back in. The Aston Villa podcast is an analytic. I said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Well thanks everyone for listening. Um yeah, a great reaction to the last episode actually, just in terms of the amount of people listening as well. So really appreciate anybody's been sharing it on. It really does help, like I always say, so please do keep sharing sharing it on. Um we're really enjoying it and we really enjoy having you here. So always get in touch with us on Twitter as well or on Instagram. Um we're on Gmail the Villa Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. We are very much up and running. We're well well past up and running, but the uni <laughs> Emory the Emery era is up and running. Remember we got very excited there a while back where it was like, Jesus, Villa could actually qualify for Europe and then we lost three games in a row. <laughs> maybe maybe I won't just get too carried away this time, but let's just all quietly enjoy this. This is going really, really well. See you later. That wind is